Mark chapter 5, we'll read verses 1 through 8, and then jump down to verse 15. The Bible says, They came over to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou Son of the Most High God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said to him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Jump down to verse 15. They come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. We see Christ had just come over the Sea of Galilee. We preached this last week on what took place. There's the storm threatening the lives of the disciples and them crying out, Christ rebuking the winds and the waves. And now as soon, the Bible says, as soon as they land, here comes this man. Now picture in your mind, uh, no movie has done justice, but here's this man, unshaven, absolutely filthy. We're talking about years and years of being unkept and full of demons, and he has cut himself, most likely he's scarred, he is bleeding, the stench, the smell. Luke 8 tells us that he was naked. I believe he came down, running down like he'd done so many other times, to do harm, to do danger. And then the, the demons realized they were dealing with the very Son of God. But imagine those disciples after they just come out of that dangerous storm and Christ had looked at him and said, why were you so fearful? And here comes this maniac who lived in the mountains and the caves and uh, supernatural strength. Maybe he still has on one of his arms a broken chain, but a monster of a man and he comes running down towards them and still ringing in their ears. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Christ can handle this. Don't be afraid. I would imagine there's some that are lingering in the back of the boat thinking hopefully that he'll get a hold of Peter first or someone else and not me because they know this man does not have good intentions in mind. Now, we, we live now, Austin, Texas, where we see men that are, if, if you look at what we're seeing on the streets today in Austin, Texas, you're talking about demon possession. And uh, there are grocery stores you no longer shop at and places of the city you no longer go to. And regrettably now, you have to warn your children, especially your daughters, to be cautious when they get in and out of vehicles. And we're not talking about a bad section of town. We're just talking about areas where, where there are people that are out of their minds and many possessed by the devil. And you simply don't want to be in that area But Christ is not going to get back in the ship and avoid this man. He's going to immediately confront him. But look what the Bible says. Immediately, verse 2, there met him a man out of the tombs, 
Now, here's what, here's what the scripture does. I believe we ought to be able to identify uh, demon possession. There is a difference between demonic activity. Here's what we're seeing in our nation. A lot of uh, demonic influence in every level of society from the lowest levels to the highest levels. We call them the highest levels. Political authority, those are also the lowest levels. Amen. We've come to understand that. Uh, But there is literally demonic activity on every level in our culture and in our society. It's becoming more and more prevalent, but it says he came out of the tombs. There's something about demons that like darkness and death. There's an affinity to darkness and death. I believe that everything that has to do with abortion is demonic, absolutely demonic. There is both activity and the indwelling of, of Satan and demons in the hearts of those that are involved in that level of death. Uh, we're talking about people that are coming. Those, those are funeral homes for the unborn. But there's an affinity. We were in Mexico for nine years, and they celebrate the Day of the Dead. And you want to talk about d- demonic from start to finish? But we have cultures now all around the world. Uh, you don't have to go to the darkest uh, villages of, of, unforgot- or of forgotten countries. No, we're, we're seeing it right here on the streets of America. An affinity for a culture of death and darkness. That is satanic. He comes, he's lived in the tombs. Can you imagine that's where you make your home? Now, the sister scriptures for this text and this story are found in uh, Luke 8 and Matthew chapter 8. But Matthew says he had no home. You can't associate demonic possession with homelessness. Demons don't want a house. Demons don't want to be confined. Let me just say this about satanic possession as well. There is a filthiness that comes with sin and Satan. You go down, walk down 6th Street. I don't suggest you do, but if the, the filthiness of sin, whether that's drunkenness, a satanic activity, drugs, you go to these places, we have people in the church that help put up some of those beautiful apartments to house and home uh, these people. When you have demonic activity, anything that was clean will be unclean overnight. Filthiness always comes hand in hand with sin and Satan. Verse 3, who had his dwelling among the tombs, no man could bind him. No, not with chains. We're talking about people that are under constant bondage. No psychologist, no jail, no counselor, no teacher, no authority, no parent, no rules, no laws are going to keep these people within the confines of morality. They're in constant bondage, and it's day and night and night and day. And these are people that go uh, to uh, the way meetings, and these are people that go to counseling sessions, and these are people that are seeking help but can never find help because they're under the constant bondage of Satan. And here was a man, helpless and hopeless, the society had given up on and said, let's just try to do our best to keep him as far from the city as possible. 
When he was in town, there was no mama going to Walmart. You keep mama out of Walmart, you know there's a bad thing happening. And this is one of those guys on the streets that everyone feared, even the police themselves. They said, we've tried to put this customer in jail. We've tried to put him in the police car, but he's beaten it half to death and torn it up and ripped the door off and escaped. He's broken the handcuffs. He's busted out of jail and prison. When we put him there, no one wants him to be there. That's the man that Christ had running up to the boat. And that's why you see the disciples encouraging Jesus to go and meet with him so they didn't have to. You know, it's amazing. Church, we believe in the power of God. But when we meet these kind of people, we too find ourselves going out of our way to avoid them. I was over at the grocery store the past couple weeks. I'm sure you've seen the fella. He's, he's hung out in the general area. You know, we live in a bad movie set. It's called socialism. And now you can't. It's illegal to be logical. Yesterday, I read that Norway... Uh, there was a woman being investigated by the police for committing hate crime because she said no man can actually be a lesbian. You can't even wrap your mind around that kind of insanity. She spoke simple biological truth and she's being investigated for a hate crime. But we have so lost our mind, this man who's dressed like Thor and nothing but a, a loincloth and a homemade spear and homemade axe was walking up to the grocery store, and now you're supposed to pretend, you're part of the movie set, you're supposed to pretend like this is normal American behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's supposed to be able to walk around the store like Thor, and your kids are supposed to act like there's no danger factor here. Yeah. Okay, you've got some mental issues. Uh-huh, when you make homemade spears at age 35, <laughs> you've got some rain, you live in the city. You don't have to kill your beef. You just have to walk in and buy it in a package. Yeah, you've got some serious mental issues. But this man had been changed, and he plucked asunder those chains, and the fetters were broken in pieces. Look what it says verse 5. And always there was no rest. You know, for some of those demon-possessed, there's absolutely no rest. There's no joy. There's no moments. Now, I mean, even for the, the sickest in society, the most sinful, they have moments where they can smile, but not for the possessed. We're talking about literally the, the, the demons, the followers of Satan, possessing the body of a man and only seeking to do him harm 24-7. And this man could not sleep always, night and day and day and night. He's in the mountains. Let me just say something about demon possession as well. Demons have an affinity for high places. That's why they, they love getting involved in the lives of politics. Don't think for a second that Hitler and Mussolini and many others of our modern day leaders are not possessed by demons. What they are doing, what they are plotting, what they are planning. And we get disturbed when these things are mentioned. If you think that we don't have hundreds of politicians that aren't demon possessed, you have lost your mind. When you can applaud and cheer the death of the unborn up to the day of birth and even allowing some to be murdered after birth, that is demonic in its very core. And he was denied in the tombs. He's crying out those that are demon-possessed. 
I mean, literally, it's, it's a constant cry for help to be delivered their mouths. Now, you don't see it here, and it's not going to be here because mouths are just vile. I've actually had several encounters over the course of my life with demon-possessed people. Uh, there is nothing more frightening, nothing more vulgar, nothing more vile than someone that is possessed, but he's cutting himself. These are people trying to do themselves harm. Why? Because man has made the very image of God, and a demon wants that person to do everything he can to deface the very image of God in which he was created. You know how many people we will have uh, over the next week as teens come through here and we try to witness them and try to uh, take them from the lives they're living to introduce them to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll find out there are a dozen of these young people that are cutters. There's demonic activity in our schools. There's demonic activity in our neighborhoods. There's demonic activity in the instructors that we see in public education. Now, here's what you don't ever want to do, parents. You don't ever want to open up a door to satanic activity in your home. That comes through the computer. That comes through... Uh, the internet that comes through TV, that comes through so many sources. Rock, we, we used to highlight rock music as if that was the only door that you can open up to satanic activity. And now these children, these young people have dozens and dozens of doors that they can open to introduce their homes to satanic activity. And it has taken place in the United States. We want to act in denial as if uh, this were something of the past or something that only takes place in different countries or different areas of our country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're talking about Austin, Texas. Yes, a lot of demonic activity. You don't, have to, you don't have to go far. When a person can't even identify who they are or what they are, right. Amen. Amen. that's demonic activity. You, Pastor, I'm disturbed by that because you've been influenced by demons. The Word of God will salvage you and deliver you and save you from that mess. He's cutting himself. When you want to do yourself personal entry. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Well, Pastor, I'm confused. If this man was full of demons, why would he run and worship? We're not talking about the kind of worship you're doing this morning. No, devils don't worship. If you and, and demons worship the same way, you've got a serious problem. This wasn't about the glory of God. This wasn't about praising God and Jesus Christ for the salvation that he has given us. No, to the contrary, we'll find out what it was. Verse 7, he cries with a loud voice and said, now this was not his voice. There is nothing that will send chills up and down your spine like hearing someone that is demon-possessed speak because it, it is not their voice. Years ago in Mexico, I had only dealt with demon possession on a, on a couple occasions. Let me just say this. A lot of times there's demonic activity. That doesn't mean there's actual demonic indwelling. But Matt called me from Tula. He said, I've got uh, a woman that is demon possessed and her family wants me to go try to help her out. And I said, Matt, have you confirmed she's demon possessed? He said, well, every family member that goes in there, he said, this woman is physically hurting them. She's 
only 120 pounds, but she's stronger than any man in the family. I said, okay. She's speaking with a voice that no one can recognize. And he said, she's revealing every unknown sin in their lives as they walk through the door. So they don't want to deal with her because things that no one else knew, she's bringing to light. What, what do you think I ought to do? You want to drive over and help me? I said, I don't want to drive over and help you. You got friends that live closer than me. <laughs> Here's what Matt did. He did just that. He went in, confronted her, and uh, led her to Christ, and led several members of that family to Christ. And she's still in the church. We, she ended up being a Sunday school teacher for years. But one of the few cases I know in my lifetime where I've seen anything uh, like that. But here's what you have, a confrontation. This worship was false worship, and you have a lot of demonic activity going on in so-called churches all across this city this morning. There's nothing to do with biblical worship. We're talking about a satanic, fleshly worship where God is not present or honored or glorified. They're just having fun in a church setting. And he comes down, not worshiping as a Christian, but look what it says, verse 7. He cries with a loud voice and said in, this is the demon speaking, what have I to do with thee, Jesus? Now, tell me about the worship that's taking place. When in his worship, he says these words, what have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou son of the most high God. He recognizes Christ, which in the previous chapters we see the Pharisees and the scribes could not do, refused to do, were unable to do in the darkness of their sin. But this demon recognizes Jesus as the son of God. He said, now look how he's going to speak with Christ, God in the flesh, the almighty one. I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. He's going to command Christ like he could actually order Christ what to do or not to do. Now, isn't this hypocritical? You have tormented this man for, the Bible says Matthew 8, for a long time. How many years? We do not know. But you have made this man miserable. He's not been able to sleep or eat. He's cut himself. He hasn't had a moment of peace or joy. He, He... He has no family, no place to rest his head, no normal life. He's living like an animal of the field, hated by everyone in society, and you're the cause of this. Yet when Christ comes, the man that could deliver him, you say, don't torment me. Now, you know why he's saying this. Matthew 8 uh, says, uh, don't torment me before the time, because there will come a day when all the demons... uh, the followed Satan will be thrown into hell. All the, the third of all the angels that defied God and followed Satan will all be cast into the lake of fire. There is a designated day for that. But he said, don't, don't cast me there before the time. Don't torment me. How hypocritical is a statement by this demon. Demons we're going to see in just a minute. He says, come out of the man because he has the authority over them. And then he asks him, what is thy name? My name is Legion. Now, a Roman legion consisted of between 3,000 and 6,000 men. How many demons possessed this man? We don't know. But the Bible does tell us when he cast out the devils, there were 2,000 swine and all 2,000 ran violently, wildly off the edge of a cliff and into the water, drowning 
I would guess that there was at least 2,000. Can you imagine a man being possessed by several thousand demons? That's torment that we can One is something we can't imagine. But 2,000, he said, legion. And he besought him much, so that he would not send them out of the country. But there was nine to the mountain, a great herd of swine. Now, can you imagine uh, those that were out there with the hogs, when suddenly you have several thousand hogs go hog wild? (laughs) The Bible says they ran violently. Now, I've seen hogs, and I've seen hogs run. To me, it all looks kind of violent anyways. I've never wanted to just stand there in the middle of that. But 2,000, this is called a stampede. Maybe this is the original stampede, amen? They are violently, crazily, full of demons running. These men that were the owners or the herdsmen, uh, the people out there, can you imagine? Because we're talking about dollar signs jumping off a cliff. They're not concerned about the lives of those hogs. They're concerned about the thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. They didn't just go out one day, wake up, and buy $2,000 hog. No, it took them years to get to the point where they had this kind of a herd. And in a single moment, all was lost. I wonder if they ran over there and tried to stop them or blockade them or deviate them. or No, they're just, you're seeing them by the hundreds jumping. Can you imagine what that seashore, the, the lake of, Galilee, what that smelled like and looked like for weeks, possibly months. I don't think anybody was swimming on that side of the lake for a while. They run off. The devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter them. Deliver us from torment. Well, you don't realize your wish is going to send you right into torment. They ran violently down a steep. And they, verse 14, the fed the swine, they fled and told it in the city. Now, let me, let me say this, uh, because verse 15, really, the message is, is found in verse 15. When they come, they see him that was possessed with the devil. He's sitting, he's cold, he's in his right mind. Now, look what it says, the last phrase. Here's what we want to preach on for a few minutes. They were afraid. Folks, you, you have to understand what, what we're seeing take place in our world is very satanic in nature. When you believe the Bible, when you know the Lord Jesus Christ, when you stand for truth and right, this world is actually afraid. This world's afraid that everything that Jesus has and everything that Jesus has to offer, they are clueless, but they're not that clueless. They know what Christ has the power to do in the life of a person. And although we do, I'm, I'm convinced you can, you can go down here on the average day of the week and 71 or somewhere in this town, you can run across someone that is literally demon-possessed. It's rare, but you'll find them. But beyond demon possession, you know what we're seeing in, in our city? And the demonic activity. Nudity? Okay, that's demonic influence in the life of a person. That's not normal uh, to go out in public and take off as many as your clothes as possible. Uh, people talking about uh, trying to make uh, beaches, nude beaches and topless beaches, all, all, that's demonic. 
But, but you see beyond that, the affinity for death, uh, the craziness, the filthiness of speech. You're seeing a lot of demonic activity taking place right. in our culture and in our society. And here's what happens. When you stand up and you take the word of God and you preach Jesus Christ, you know why they're out to close down churches and shut down Bible preachers and get them off the radio? Let me ask you this. What harm, what harm can a man in a suit that, that believes in righteousness and holiness and morality that stands up and simply preaches the word of God, what harm, what, what could possibly cause them fear? Why would that need to be shut down? Why would that person need to be silenced? There is a legitimate fear that this crowd finds. Why in verse 15? Because when they come down, what do they find? They come to Jesus. They see him that was possessed with the devil. He, uh, the, at the legion, he's what? He said he's resting for the first time in years. You know what Christ will do for you? He'll help you rest. Sin will stress you out every day of your life. Fornication will stress you out. Adultery will stress you out. Homosexuality will stress you out. Pornography will stress you out. Lying lifestyle, anger, jealousy, every sin under the book will leave you stressed and unable to live happy. And suddenly, this man that had been running around Mountains and tombs and graveyards. He's sitting. He's clothed. I don't know where in the world they found clothes. I, I've often thought about the disciples getting across. They had to be soaking wet. And, and they barely get off the boat. Here comes this man and the devils are cast out. And when the town comes back within a matter of, of hours, the, town, the townsmen come back to see what had taken place. And he is clothed. You know what happens when you get Jesus Christ in your life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you start putting some clothes on. And in his right mind, you know sin will make you lose your mind? You can't think logically, rationally. You don't want to have an argument with an unsafe person. Why, Pastor? They're out of their mind. This world can't handle someone that's in their right mind. If you go out there today and tell them, there is male and female. This world will lose its mind. I mean, they believed it. Their grandparents believed it. They, they believed that 20 years ago. They don't believe it now. They had to lose their mind in order to believe that kind of foolishness. He's sitting down in his right mind. Now, let me ask you this. Wouldn't it be logical if you come up, you've, you've seen this man live like an animal. He scared your kids. He, he scared you running through your field. He scared you when you saw him downtown. You didn't, you didn't go out at night. Uh, you simply said he, he lives too close in our neighborhoods, and I don't want any kind of confrontation with this kind of madman. And suddenly he's, he is reverent. He is robed, he is resting, and that bothers you? This man that was irrational is suddenly irrational, and you're afraid? Now let me say what they're afraid of, three things. Number one, they were afraid of the grace of Christ. That made them fearful. Now hold on for a second. We live in a generation that shouts grace, but not God's grace. They talk about a cheap grace. They've cheapened grace. 
But biblical grace scares the fire out of this world. You go down and preach salvation by grace and church people have a problem with it. Presbyterians have a problem with it. Mormons have a problem with it. Muslims have a problem with it. Catholics have a problem with it. And atheists have a problem with it. You say a man that's lived in this man, the life he's lived, the craziness that he's caused, the demon possession, and the grace of God is about ready to take him from death to life, from hell to heaven. You know what they say? We'll show him a little bit of grace as long as he's up there on the backside of the mountain sitting in a cave. And we could take a slingshot and shoot him a package of peanuts. Uh-huh. That's the grace they're talking about. But grace will actually change a man, restore a man, save a man. Forgiveness. And whom we have redemption through his blood, even the what? The, forgive, uh, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You know what they said? Christ's going to come down here and forgive that man. But I'll tell you what, I can't forgive that man because he has scared us half to death. He has tormented us. The things that he's done and the things that he said, there is no way that man can be forgiven. You know what this world is fearful of? True Bible grace. He doesn't deserve a second chance. He, he doesn't deserve a position in the church. He doesn't deserve uh, uh, an erasing of his past. He doesn't deserve a bright future. He doesn't deserve anything but death and hell. Absolutely, that's all that we deserve. But there is something called the grace of God. And if you've been saved, you know something about the grace of God. And here's what the world fears. When you stand up and you preach salvation by grace through faith without works, it scares the bejeepers out of them. I know it's free. I know it's scandalous. I know it doesn't make sense. I know Jesus Christ and God himself are the only ones that come up with an idea like this but the bible still says for by grace are you saved through faith and that and that not of yourselves not of yourself not of works lest any man should boast amen they were fearful of the grace that christ had just offered him and they came down and said we just lost our pigs and, and this, they're not concerned about men. They're not concerned about souls. They're not concerned about true change. Folks, don't believe for a second. This world out there that'll murder the, the innocent, helpless babies that are in the womb. Don't you think for a second they're concerned about helping any race, any color. You try to find a white boy that's done more for black community, not just your black community. Africa, Malawi, Uganda, dump, not hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. We have churches in different countries in Africa called Cap City Baptist Church because we built the building. They'll, they'll shout and yell racism. They don't care about a single black life lost in our inner cities. They don't care about all the black babies, millions of black babies that never knew a decent life because their life was snuffed out, taken, they were dismembered limb by limb by a murdering doctor. Don't tell me they care about lives. 
They're, they're concerned about grace. They literally are fearful of the grace of God in the life of a person that will take the unrighteous and clothe them with righteousness by grace. Who in here deserves to be righteous? No, this world will tell you. You go earn it. You go make yourself righteous. You tell me how, how that attempt has worked out for you. You can make yourself righteous. This man couldn't make himself righteous. Suddenly the grace of God got involved and totally transformed him. Now, here's another thing that scared him. The power of Christ. Now, what they could not do. I'm talking about they'd, they'd flown in psychologists, counselors. They brought up the sheriff. Uh, they, they put him through all kind of therapy. They, they'd send him down to drug rehab and drag him out. They'd removed alcohol from him, put him in chains and shackles. Uh, they, they tried every therapy under the sun. And you know how long it lasted? As soon as they let him out the door, the crazy man returned to craziness. None of it had worked. And here's what Christ did. Here's how you know salvation is not a process. We're talking a man that came down with all of his craziness, all these years, his crazy condition, and within a matter of minutes, he went from crazy to sane, from out of control to absolutely under control, from incredibly unhappy and miserable to someone with a smile on their face, the joy of Jesus in their heart, begging. Okay, the, the same one that was mocking Jesus earlier, now begging Christ, let me, let me go with you. Let me travel with you. Let me become the 13th disciple. Let me be part of the baker's dozen. Let me be the addition to that boat. That's the power of the gospel in the life of a person, the power that only the Lord Jesus had. And here's why they were afraid, because what they had not accomplished, what they'd given up on being accomplished. They said the only thing that's going to change this man is death. The only thing that's going to bring relief to our community is his death. But Christ showed up. And they didn't like it. You know, it's amazing how this world clamors for change in the life of a person, but as soon as Christ comes in and, and radically changes, they don't like it. Well, you don't go out with us anymore. You don't drink with us anymore. You don't smoke with us anymore. You don't laugh at our jokes anymore. You never use any curse words. You look at it strange when we do. You don't spend time over here at our house anymore. You're always at church. Now your wife's wearing dresses. What is that? You guys become Amish? What? Are you out of your mind? You know, you know what happens in this world? When there is true, radical, lasting, permanent change, they can't deal with it. They want you to change, but they want to define what change is. We don't want you to stop drinking. We just want you to drink less. Uh, we don't want you to stop smoking marijuana. We just want you to smoke less. Whatever you're doing, we, we don't want you to totally, radically stop. Just do it less. That'll make us happy. No, there was no less in this man's life. How many think he ever went back sleeping in a graveyard? Scaring people. S- screaming profanities. Here's what happened. It, it's funny. 
there, there are people from Bible calling time. 30 years later, we haven't seen each other in 30 years. And we step out of a car, go to shake hands. And I've had people walk right by me. Like, hey, I'm Adam. You're not the guy I knew in high school, college. No. I've eaten a few tacos since then. <laughs> I pastored a couple churches and they turned me gray. What didn't turn gray turned loose. You know, time can do some brutal things to a man. Here's what I guarantee happened. So he goes down. He gets a decent set of clothes. He shaves, cleans up, uses some soap. And he goes to talk to people. And I'm like, are you new in the community? Oh, no. Oh, no. I've been here for a long time. You have been here for a long time? Oh, absolutely. Born and raised here all my life. So tell me, what, what, what's your last name? Uh, well, no one knows my last name, but my first name is Maniac. <laughs> Maniac, yeah, I'm the, I'm the one. You remember running down here one time? You were out there shopping. You put your kids in the car and raced out of the parking lot. Long hair. Yeah, that was me. I apologize for that. But that's before I knew Jesus. That was a previous life, and I'll tell you something about Jesus. He changed me. He can change you. You don't look as bad as I did, but you still look bad enough that you need Jesus. Yeah. I'm talking about a life so drastically changed, a personal drastically changed. I guarantee you 95% of the people that he introduced himself to did not even recognize him. That's how drastic the power of Christ is in the life of a person. And you know why we're not better witnesses? We don't believe it. I wish, I wish we had a picture of the majority of the crowd before you got saved. I wish we had a picture of Tyrone previous to Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. A picture of Pastor Bob with his ponytail previous to Jesus Christ. Picture of Jose previous to Jesus. Picture of Tony Powell back when he had hair. Here's, here's what you have. You have people that you wouldn't recognize. Right. That's right. Different life, different world, right. different desires, different friends, different associations, yep. different destiny, headed straight for the pit of hell. And Jesus Christ rescued them, yanked them out of that pit of sin, and wrapped them in a robe of righteousness, cleaned them up. They look better, they smell better, and occasionally they act better. Amen. But this world, this world is afraid of that kind of power. Now, go back with me to Mark 5. One more thing will be done. Look what it says in verse... And I'll go back to chapter 4. They're fearful of his authority. Look what it says verse 39. He arose. This is when they're crossing over the boat. The storm hits. The disciples cry out, Master, care so not that we perish. He, Christ, arose. He rebuked the wind, said to the sea, Peace be still. The wind ceased. There's a great calm. And he, Christ, said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They, what? What were they fearing? His authority. Come on, folks. You've never met a man. Then talk to the wind and cause it to cease. Talk to anything in creation and have it obey immediately. Even the disciples who knew he was the Messiah were fearful at this level of authority. Go with me to Mark chapter 1. Initially in his ministry, he casts out a demon. Look at the response, Mark 1 verse 27. 
And they were all amazed, insomuch they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with, what's it say? With authority commanded he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. Now, you know what this world doesn't like? This world does not like his authority. And when you stand up and you hold up the word of God, now, church, here's what you can do on that job. You can take any book under the sun into your workplace, and no one has a problem with that. You could take in a Hustler magazine, poetry, science, anything you so desire, and that place has no problem with the books you bring in. But if you bring in this book and it says Holy Bible, yeah, you're going to have someone come over and talk to you about bringing hate speech to the work environment. Sorry, you, you can bring any other book. You just can't bring, you know why? Because it comes with his authority. And they don't like that. You know why they don't want you to quote scripture? That comes with his authority. And when he looked at that demon-possessed man and said, what's your name? And those demons submitted themselves and said, hey, listen, we know something's not going to uh, last here for us as far as our dwelling place, and you're about ready to change this man's life. Can we at least ask you a favor? They're submitting themselves to his authority, and these people are watching this whole thing. A man that no one could control is suddenly the demons inside of him submitting to the authority of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now church, as we go ahead in our society until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what this world does not want? Anyone that lives their life by way of Bible authority. It's black and white. It's clear. It's indisputable. God's word said marriage is between a man and a woman, period. He said he created male and female, period. He says in his word that life begins at conception. You see that repeatedly in scripture. That's period. No debate there. Nothing to discuss there. That's, and that's what man does not. They are fearful. You know why they came and prayed for him? Why, why did they come and say, we want you to sort things out. If you've already sorted out the biggest problem in our community, we want you to stay here in, in totally our ten cities need your help. No, they came down and said, would you please get out of here as quick as possible? And he got on a boat and he left. Yeah. You know what this world says? When you show up with any of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, they say, would you please get out of here? You, you know what happens if a kid, a Christian kid in a public school shows up and says, Oh, the world's actually not millions of years old. They will lose their mind. Now, here's what happens. Goes into John 5. Here's why they don't like the authority. John 5. Look what it says in verse 24. Ready, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, he hath everlasting life, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and he hath given him what? Authority, authority to execute judgment. You know what they didn't like? He actually had authority 
over those demons, they realize this is the only one that can actually send those demons to hell. They can command those demons to come out of that man. He has authority. And here's what they, for them to recognize anything in God's word is to recognize that he has authority to execute judgment over the wickedness of their hearts. He has given them authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. And marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life and they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. Do you think this whole place would have been rejoiced? You know what they did? They in fear said, leave and leave as soon as you can. Why? They feared his grace. They feared his power. They feared his authority. Let me ask you this this morning. Why wouldn't we embrace all of this? How do you remember the day you embraced grace, got born again? Wasn't that the, the, the most amazing, wonderful day of your life? And there's a world out there that constantly resists the grace. There are people sitting in here that come to church dozens, dozens of times, still resisting God's grace, fearful of it. It can't be that simple. It can't be that easy. It can't be the grace of God. It's not that simple or you would have already done it. It takes a humbling. It takes a repentance. It takes an admittance of the fact that you were wrong. And whoever your instructor was was wrong. Till you come to the knowledge of God and understand he has a total authority to judge you. And at some point he will be your judge. Young people, your mom is not going to stand at the great white throne judgment and vouch for you as your defense lawyer. There's no jury panel at the great white throne judgment made up of your family and the 16 people that you have deceived into thinking you're okay. You're not going to put them on the panel or on the board and say, please vouch for me. I was a decent person. Please, please put in a good word for me so that I get into heaven. Oh, no, the, the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ, will be your judge. And that's not going to be a good day if you've never accepted his grace. That's never been a good day if you've never experienced the power that he has to radically change the life and the heart of a person. Young people, if this setting is miserable, that means your worship has to be fake, just like this demon-possessed man called Legion. And there are some sitting in here. This, the, these four walls are the most miserable moments of your week. Everything else is so pleasant. And then you get dragged in here. And if you're not saved, this is a miserable, miserable place to spend an hour of your day. An hour of your week is too much. You know what happened? You'll change. You'll only change when you get born again and embrace the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ.